One day, Mark Middleberg, who was then the pastor of evangelism at Willow Creek Church, was buying a, a few things at a grocery store, and he decided to pick up some flowers for his wife, Heidi. While waiting to pay, he struck up a conversation with an elderly woman who was waiting in line in front of him. I remember when my husband used to bring me flowers. There was a faraway look in her eyes and emotion in her voice. But, she said, he died many years ago. It was obvious to Mark how much she still missed her husband, even after all these years. He tried to say something that would encourage her. She made her purchases, said goodbye, and left the store while his things were being rung up. And suddenly an idea hit him. Go and give her your wife's flowers. <laughs> he, he felt a mixture of excitement and embarrassment, but he quickly paid for his stuff, ran outside, and, and found the woman walking across the parking lot. He held out the bouquet to her and said, Your husband isn't available to do this, so I'd like to give you these. It was just a little thing. He didn't throw himself in front of an oncoming car to save her life. He didn't hang on a cross. They, they weren't even great flowers. He got them from a grocery store, for goodness sake. But his gift made a deep impression. And in fact, she insisted that he come to her home for tea, and they had a great time of getting to know each other. You know, in the next decade, Mark and his family lived in five different places. But 10 years later, they received a package in the mail with gifts for the children and a letter saying thank you. The woman had gone to the effort of finding out where they now live. In her letter, she wrote, even now, 10 years later, I still tell my friends about that act of kindness and how much it encouraged me. You know, it says something about our world when when even... The smallest of gifts can become the biggest of deals. You want to be different? You want to stand out in a self-absorbed, consumeristic world? Be kind. Be selfless. Be a giver. Be generous. You you know what? You, You won't just be different. You'll be sought out. People will be attracted to you like a magnet. You'll be remembered by people you touch long after you leave their lives. The greater the generosity, the longer you'll be remembered. Which is why the simple story I'm going to tell you in this episode is still told to this day, centuries upon centuries later. So welcome to episode number 99 of More Than Bread. I'm Dan. My main gig is being a husband, father, and grandfather. I love my grandkids. But but in my spare time, I'm also a... Oh, I love my wife also. Um, In my spare time, I'm also a pastor. And for this podcast, I'm your Bible reader and explainer. And oh yeah, I love scripture. The word of God has been part of my life since I was a wee little kid. So today we're looking at a story in Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 25. And and in some ways, it's kind of similar to the story we told a few episodes ago about the widow who gave the the two coins, the two might, gave everything that she had. I'm going to start by reading it in the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. It was now two days before the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him, but not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people might riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head, and some of the table were indignant. 
Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing for me? You'll always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and she has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus to them. Now, just a, a momentary thought for me. Some people would say that Judas, you know, had such a desire to see Jesus be the nationalistic king, to see Jesus you know, take over politically and restore Israel to its rightful place as a world power, that he was so eager to see this, that that, that when when Jesus kind of made this statement about dying, about, uh, about, you know, serving the poor and all this kind of stuff, that Judas realized that Jesus was not going to be who he wanted him to be. And that's why he betrayed Jesus. Verse 11, they were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He'll take you upstairs to a large room that's already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So the two disciples went into the city, found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. Now, in my words, some people discuss and kind of argue a little bit over whether this was, you know, Jesus prophetically saying, here's what's going to happen, or whether Jesus had made plans ahead of time. Really, in many ways, it, it doesn't matter. All that's being said here in, in the Gospel of Mark is, is that they had a place, that there was a place where Jesus was going to meet together with his 12 closest friends and disciples. Verse 17, in the evening, Jesus arrived with the 12, and as they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distress. Each one asked each other in turn, am I the one? He replied, it is one of you 12 who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago, but how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread, he blessed it, then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, for this is my body. And then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice for many. Now, now you understand, or maybe you don't, but but let me just point out before I read further that, that this is the first communion service. <laughs> it's in the context of Passover, celebrating Passover together, which was a celebration of, of God delivering the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And now Jesus kind of says, this is from now on, it's going to have new meaning. From now on, it's going to refer to me delivering you. 
And, and so he, he gives new meaning to the bread and the cup, which were at the center of the Passover meal. And then he says this in verse 25, I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is saying there's going to come a time when we celebrate this again together. From here on, I won't do it again until I can do it together with you. So this this communion service is not just a remembering, it's also a looking forward. It's a statement of faith. Every time we have communion, we are saying, I believe that the day will come when I sit down at the table with Jesus. So, it's a day or two after Palm Sunday, a few days before Jesus dies on the cross. Jesus is with friends in a little community called Bethany. John provides us with a more complete guest list. Mary and Martha were there. Lazarus was there. Not not long after Lazarus is, is resurrected from the dead, Jesus' disciples are there. They're all at Simon's house. And, and there's a woman. Mark leaves her unnamed, but John tells us it was Mary. Mary leaves the table and I don't know, perhaps goes into her room, and she got a small bottle out of her basket, about 12 ounces, you know, the size of a can of Coke. It was full of very valuable, fragrant oil, and it was worth a year's wages. This is prodigal generosity. You've heard that word before, prodigal. It's what we call the son who left his father, the prodigal son. The word prodigal means to be characterized by profuse or wasteful expenditure, lavish, profuse expenditure to the point of being wasteful. So the son wasted his inheritance through prodigal living. But the father, actually the father is even more lavishly prodigal with grace than his son is with stuff. And And now again, we have this story of prodigal, lavish generosity, just like the poor widow who gave all that she had to live on. Mary gives a gift of perfume that was worth about a year's wages. What what would a year's wages be for you? Fill in the amount that it would be for you. The the median income where I live is about $30,000, but but over 18% of the people in my county live under the poverty line. For a family of three, that's about $23,000. So let's just say it's a single mom with two kids, and she's given a gift worth $23,000. She walks over behind Jesus and uncorks the bottle, and by now she has everyone's attention at the table except Jesus. He he doesn't notice until she begins to pour. (laughs) And she poured it all out over his head and shoulders. John says, even his feet. The fragrance of extravagant generosity spreads throughout the room. A 23000 I don't know, maybe for you a $100,000 gift. A year's wages. But while Mary is leaving her, her mark of a love burst generosity, the disciples are having a brain burst. They, they were offended. What a waste, they said. You, you, you know what they were saying? They're saying, Mary, you're crazy. Mary, do you know what you just gave up? That's too much. I mean, I love Jesus too, but let me ask you, have you ever felt a call to be extravagantly generous? I know many of you listening, you're, you're generous. You you give not just to the church, you give to people around you. You give not just of money, but your time and your talents. But have you ever felt a call to be extravagantly generous? Well, when it comes to the call of extravagant generosity, there's there's often a but, isn't there? It's the but that wants to hang on to something for myself. It's the but that hesitates. It's the but that believes the myth of more, the big old but on the other side of, I love Jesus too, but... <laughs> now, listen, if, if you're committed to leaving a, 
a mark, a gospel Jesus kind of mark in the world, though, there's going to have to be a few moments when people just think you're kind of crazy. Now, in fairness to the disciples, except for maybe Judas, I, I don't think they were trying to be stingy. I think they just wanted to be strategic. And I think they were honestly annoyed that they had missed this incredible opportunity to help the poor. Jesus was all about helping the poor. I mean, if I was Mary's pastor, first I would have said, why in the world do you have perfume that costs so much? And and then I would have told her about the orphanages that we support in Myanmar, told her to save her $23,000 for our 1% Christmas offering. Don't don't pour it out, Mary. We we can sell it. You know how many kids in Myanmar, Rwanda, the Dominican Republic, or, or, or Kenya we can feed with that? This year we'll give close to $200,000 to feed, clothe, and educate kids in Myanmar. We built an orphanage and a school there. We literally give hundreds of children hope, help, and a home. And and I love that we do that. We do good. So, I don't know. I, I can't be too hard on these guys. In fact, just hours ago, they were with Jesus. And Jesus told them the story that there was a challenge to feed the poor and take in the homeless and help the helpless and visit the hopeless. And, and now they'd missed their opportunity. You know what, I would say they, they basically had two problems. First of all, they were living from a perspective of poverty. They they had a scarcity mentality instead of an attitude of abundance. They felt they needed to conserve what they had in order to accomplish what God had called them to do. I don't know, maybe they had forgotten how Jesus had fed 5,000 people with a young boy sack lunch. See, an attitude of abundance produces hearts of extravagance. And with God, there's always more than enough. So just ask yourself the question, do I live from a perspective of poverty or do I live with an attitude of abundance? And and here's their other problem. When they heard Jesus talk about the poor, when they heard Jesus talk about leaving a mark on the world, they missed the motivating passion. They missed the why. But not Mary. She got it. That's why Jesus comes to her rescue. Leave her alone. Jesus said, why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you'll always have with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you're not always going to have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body to prepare me for my burial. See, see, here's the question. What was the motivating passion of Mary's generosity? What was the why behind her what? See, Mary's motivating passion was that she was just crazy in love with Jesus, and nothing will inspire us to passionate generosity like being crazy in love with Jesus. If I'm not passionately generous, then I may not be crazy in love with Jesus. Extravagant generosity comes from crazy love bursts. I mean, go back to that that supper party. Can you picture the gathering? Jesus is in the middle. He's grinning from ear to ear as they talk about Lazarus. And the look on everyone's faces when Lazarus came walking out like the mummy from the tomb. And on his right is Simon, the healed leper, faithful Martha, bustling back and forth, serving everybody, friends all around. And there's Mary. Mary, who couldn't get enough of Jesus, who watched through tear-filled eyes as Jesus called her brother Lazarus back from the dead. What's going through Mary's mind? Before Jesus did anything for her, she loved him. And now she 
She can't help just watching him, the sparkle in his eyes and the the motion of his hands, that smile, and back and forth she glances from her her brother to Jesus. And and as she sits there, she just has this love burst, this explosive moment of tender affection where her heart is so stinking full that she has to let some love out or she's going to explode. Have you ever had a love burst? (laughs) I remember back when my kids were still kids and and uh, they were at home, at least some of them. I, I was gone for most of a week, meeting somewhere. And I got home late at night, and, and none of my kids were there. But about an hour after I got home, Josh got home from the state high game. I, I think he was he was late middle school, early high school. So when I heard Lynn driving up, I quickly hid behind the basement door because the way I show my kids that I love them is by trying to scare the snot out of them. I figure one way or another, I'm going to get their heart beaten. So there I am on the steps of the basement. I'm calling Josh on the cell phone. I'm breathing heavy. And then I text him, help me. And he's kind of starting to go nuts. He knows it's me, but he he's just not sure when I'm going to pop out. And I'm just, I'm standing there behind the door, getting ready to yell, trying not to laugh. And all of a sudden, I know weirdest of places. I just get this overwhelming, I love my son so much. It was a love burst. Mary felt this love burst. She left the table and got this small bottle out of her basket, 12 ounces, full of valuable fragrant oil, a $30,000 gift. She, she walks behind Jesus and uncorks the bottle. By now she has everyone's attention, but Jesus doesn't notice until she begins to pour. She poured it all over. The fragrance of extravagant generosity spreads throughout the room. So ask yourself the question, when it comes to leaving a mark, making a difference in the world, even when it comes to generosity, helping others, is my motivating passion doing good or loving Jesus? Is my why doing good or loving Jesus? See, I'm totally convinced that if doing good is our primary motivation, we'll neither live the dream nor finish well. See, Mary was just crazy in love with Jesus, and nothing will inspire us to extravagant sacrifice and passionate generosity. Nothing will motivate us to finish well, like being crazy in love with Jesus. And and that kind of love, like the widow with the widow's mites, man, it just touches the heart of Jesus. In fact, look at verse 9. He says, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. You want to be different? Be a giver. Be generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your energy and your encouragement. Be generous with your money and your love. Be generous with your life. Be extravagantly generous, and you'll be remembered by the people you touch long after you leave their lives. See, I I think the gift of the widow and the gift of Mary kept Jesus' eyes on the cross and his heart soft towards generosity There will be many difficult moments in the days to come, hard times that lead to a cross. I think there will be moments where Jesus will be tempted to quit, to stop short, but every time he'll be reminded of these love bursts and he'll keep his path set. And that's why we go from Mary's gift to the first celebration of communion, from one love burst to another. You understand that, right? The cross is the love burst of God. Let me read Mary's love burst again from the message, verses 1 through 9. In only two days, the eight-day festival of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread would begin. 
The high priests and religion scholars were looking for a way they could seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. They agreed that it should not be done during Passover week. We don't want the crowds up in arms, they said. Meanwhile, Jesus was at Bethany, a guest of Simon the leper. While he was eating dinner, a woman came up carrying a bottle of very expensive perfume. Opening the bottle, she poured it on his head. Some of the guests became furious among themselves. That's criminal, a sheer waste. This perfume could have been sold for well over a year's wages and, and handed out to the poor. They swelled up in anger, nearly bursting with indignation over her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why are you giving her a hard time? She's just done something wonderfully significant for me. You'll have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives. Whenever you feel like it, you can do something for them. Not so with me. She did what she could when she could. She pre-anointed my body for burial. And you can be sure that wherever in the whole world the message is preached, what she just did is going to be talked about admiringly. Father, I pray for each and every person listening this, to this podcast. God, I, I pray that you would give us hearts of generosity. I, I pray that you would help us to realize when we see the cross how, how deeply we are loved. Each and every person, no matter what we've done, where we've been, where we're going, what's going on in our lives, how hard it is or how good it is, at, at the cross you prove to us. The cross is the love burst of God. Jesus, I, I pray that you would help us to be generous. I, I pray that as we love you, that you would inspire us to crazy love bursts, to, to moments of extravagant generosity. God, I, I pray that you would help us to, to, to make a difference in people's lives. I pray that you would help us to trust you and love you so deeply that it seems like there is no gift too small or too big. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.